He is the way and the truth and the life. We have to die in order to live. Good morning, Father. Good morning, John Ray. How are you this morning? Doing well, thank you. Ready to start off a week. Yeah, 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 that's true. Uh, So if you don't know... um, uh, Father Brady's day off is on Mondays, uh, and he does that kind of intentionally because he works all weekend serving you and saying mass, and 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 so Monday really becomes his Sabbath. Exactly. Um, I didn't realize it wasn't Monday till you just mentioned it. <laughs> Felt so much like it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so uh, busy week. Yeah, busy week ahead. A um, lot of things to get done, and then we have the axe retreat uh, for the women beginning uh, Thursday. So oh, I'll be yeah, with them yeah. all weekend. So you have an extended week as well. Yes. So, um, well, thank you for being here with us on episode 42 of Beyond the Homily. Um, this last weekend, you talked about the state of the parish, and um, and so sitting in for Father Poirier because we want to just talk more about you know what we talked about this weekend, um, and so. Uh, service organizations, axe retreats, youth ministry, Leon Packer, um, finances. I think, did I miss anything? That was uh, most of it, but also the spiritual growth of the parish, I think, mm. was the most important thing yeah. that we mentioned in uh, continuing to encourage people to do the things they need to do to put themselves in a position to uh, to hear the, hear the voice of God in their lives and to uh, surrender all the more uh, to Him. And and so right, we, we we talked a lot about the service groups, and um, you know, as I mentioned a moment ago, uh, we'll have an axe retreat this weekend for the women. There's one for the men's uh, at the end of the month. I don't think it's too late to sign up for parishioners. Uh, so yeah, if I think any of you still men, a out, couple of spots left. Right, if uh, if any of the men out there would like to uh, uh, make the retreat, you can give us a call and maybe. I think, like I said, it's in, in motion, So, uh, but uh, there may be a spot available. I think there's a couple left for parishioners. Uh, also, you know, we think of the Axe Retreat and what a wonderful success it's been for our parish. And as we continue to uh, grow, it has become sort of a feeder program, which was its uh, purpose in the end, was to uh, renew uh, a faith uh, particularly in uh, in the sacramental practices, and then uh, to translate that into faith in action for our church parish and also in our community. And so in the homily, I mentioned that our service groups have definitely bulked up. They had wonderful leadership over the last uh, four years since I've been here. That's all I can really judge. And uh, they were steadily growing and the pandemic hit. Uh, and post-pandemic, you can really go over and see um, both the influence of Acts and the number of members, but also the the support that they give to our parish and the joy uh, with which they serve. Mm-hmm. And so those two groups, there are other service groups uh, that are very important, the quilt makers and the rosary makers who do just a wonderful job in, in their particular apostolates. Uh, but those two really are, the for me as a pastor, the, the go-to folks, but now I don't have to go to them. They come to me uh, with ideas on how they can help and uh, and what they can do in the parish and so 
we've really seen a, a wonderful zeal and uh, increase in those activities uh, in the sense of serving the parish, whether it's be cooking for the kids in the youth group or, or you know, serving at a parish uh, meal. We're having an appreciation banquet and so many people have volunteered to help and to figure out ways to use the technology to make it easier, but also to have it done. And it's a lot less work on my plate. And that's a wonderful thing, too. So what are some, uh, so I mean, like you mentioned uh, serving food for, uh, you know, youth events and, you know, we know the the various Sunday morning donut Sundays and pancake breakfast and those sorts of things. Um, I'm thinking about the rectory. I know when we purchased the rectory, we had a bunch of the guys from the KC's show up that day to help gut it out. Um, What are some other ways that um, I I, I know that, you know, we have we have a a group of KC's who. you know, at, at a at a time we're going to serve some of the needy and elderly in our community at their homes. Um, what other ways are they serving inside the parish? If somebody's curious about getting involved in one of them, it's interesting. the The knights have reorganized, and they've basically branched off into a service types of service. What are you interested in? So uh, some of them are doing uh, plant work, as you just mentioned, the group that went and helped to do work at the rectory. Mm -hmm. Um, Others uh, are helping in gardening um, and and maintaining the gardens to some extent uh, and being able to uh, fix certain things around uh, uh, such as uh, uh, painting the statues that need to be cleaned and painted and getting the new pedestals. We have three, one of our Blessed Mother, one of St. Pius, one of the Sacred Heart. They're going to take that on. Uh, But also people who maybe are interested in youth. So the Knights of Columbus are big on supporting youth. And that's one of my goals as a pastor is uh, to have the church and the school become more one. Mm -hmm. And so they're really looking at how they can serve the school and its activities as well as the parish kind of branching out. And that's part of the Acts uh, uh, influence is that there are younger uh, members in the Knights. Yeah. And so they have kids at the school. And I they joined. Go, yeah, how can we right? How can we do that? And, and it's a wonderful thing because one of the dangers of a parish is that a school, the school and the church, uh, become separate operating entities, and they should be integrated uh, more. And mm-hmm. so we're on campus, so it's easy to do that. So we want to make sure that although administratively we're different, uh, that we're not in the sense of our unity in Christ and working in our biggest apostolate, which is the school. Yeah, and. They have all different areas, administrative help, uh, service to the uh, poor, as you said. And so if you join the Knights, you know, those four areas will have different interests, different interested people. Sure. And you can kind of choose how you serve, including the organization itself, either as an officer or if you have a bookkeeping skill or something like that. So uh, it's really kind of neat. It's worth getting on the website to see what they're doing and how they're doing it. And there's something for everybody. So I would encourage anybody that's interested in maybe getting involved in the KCs to reach out to Michael Hare, um, get on the website. And, and I think there's an email address we just created. Like Father said, there's a ton of ways you can get involved. Um, you know, I think Michael pitches it as, you know, you uh, you don't have to pay anything and, and there are multitude of ways to serve. So, And there's, a, you know, they do other things, the fish fries that are temporary. Um, 
and only yearly. Same thing for the uh, for the Women's Guild. Um, just as an example, they they help with all of the receptions for uh, whether it's Easter. Uh, it uh, uh, and the RCIA members who become fully initiated, or uh, our confirmation and first communion receptions, and so uh, the Women's Guild has a little different emphasis. It seems to be what they like to do. Uh, they also do other things, um, the mornings of reflection uh, for uh, the the members, actually for the parish if they want to come, and and other spiritual exercises. And then we're seeing all these other groups, the Mothers Ministry, uh, generally speaking, young mothers, but also. Uh, We'll say more mature mothers, um, and also some folks, women who aren't mothers at all, mm-hmm. uh, and they also sponsor parish events like their um, uh, revival the, night. Revival night takes place once a month, I think, and, on a Monday. Re- yes, in their morning reflections, uh, Saturday morning reflections, they do a couple of those a semester, and the parish life center is packed out, and that's one of the needs for another uh, facility uh, like the new minist- with the ministry building. Yep. So. Um, so all kind of different ways that you can get involved in the parish. Um, and then, uh, and since you brought it up, um, we're in the middle of, I, I see, uh, walls going up metal studs in Leon Packer, the old church. Um, what's going on there? Well, we're finally getting over the construction crunch in some way. So for the ministries building for Leon Packer, Leon Packer Hall, uh, there were certain commercial uh, items that had to be done that there was a backlog. Uh, and we're down to our last one, the fire suppression system. Mm-hmm. And so once that gets installed, uh, then we pretty much have all of the contractors lined up and ready to go. And so construction should start moving much more quickly. We initially had to get through a few things that just took time. And so it was slowed down a bit. And now we kind of have a, a free shot at, uh, at really getting work done in the fall. Uh, the joke was made that maybe some of the contractors uh, didn't like working in an unair-conditioned building <laughs> during <laughs> August. So, uh, so that's it. And the same thing with the rectory. We have a few things with the diocese to finish, and then we'll be able to move quickly. Residential construction is uh, faster than commercial construction. Sure. But if we get that one system in um, that has to be put in before we start the other things, then we'll be able to move more quickly. And it will be uh, another uh, parish life center. It's a little smaller room. But um, one that can, you know, hold tables, axe meetings, uh, probably a couple hundred people. Smaller receptions. Little, and then uh, the food pantry, the, and then five or six other rooms that will be used for uh, small faith groups, Bible studies, and, and those kinds of activities. And we hope that it will... Uh, relieve the pressure uh, of resources for people to do what they need to do in order to to learn about Christ and uh, and also to serve in the apostolate. Yeah. So we have, I mean, right now uh, we have the Parish Life Center and two other rooms that people could meet in aside from the church. You know, if you were having like a liturgical, you know, experience, adoration, mass, you know. Um, so we'll have a, a a little bit smaller room in Leon Packer and then what five or six like conference style rooms and then like a medium size room correct there'll be a let's see it'll be one two three four I believe I think it's four 
<clears throat> conference style rooms. Uh, and maybe five. And then one that's a little bit bigger for Bible study. So the conference style rooms will hold about 15 people okay. max. Uh, the the bigger room can hold more like 25, okay. 30. And then there'll be one small meeting room uh, that you can use for spiritual direction. Uh, the food pantry. And then there will be... Uh, it has a warmer kitchen, and so uh, the warmer kitchen would be able to heat up food and uh, to be used for, let's say, an axe uh, mm-hmm. uh, team meeting or something like that. So what's the difference between, just for people who are listening and, and for myself, the difference between a warmer kitchen and a... Um and a commercial kitchen like we have in the PLC? Yep. The warmer kitchen is really more of a designation from a an approval point of view in meeting city code so you'll have a um, smaller vents and that kind of thing and what you are able to do the type of equipment is going to be different so it, it's not intended to be a full cooking kitchen like we have in the plc okay but you can do pretty much everything uh, except what you would need to do with commercial equipment okay so just so, on a smaller scale. So it'll have right. It'll have an oven and a, and I a believe and, and a stove and and a refrigerator and freezer. And okay. The things that you would need to, I think they call it that because you would mainly be using it to warm things up as opposed to actually cooking. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. When I first arrived at St. Pius in July of 2012, so a little over a decade ago. Um, it was July 1st. Unfortunately, I had been a youth minister for. 12 years, the secretary looked at me and said, do you have your schedule on the very first day, your schedule of life nights, our facilities fill up really quick. Um, and so by July 4th, before I left for vacation, I had our schedule planned out for the year because I'd done it before we needed to get on the calendar. So it's exciting to know that there's not going to be as much pressure maybe to, um, to, you know, get on the calendar. There will still be pressure, but we'll have more space available, so we're not constantly fighting over rooms. And, and it's been a very difficult uh, problem to solve with as many groups as we have, as much activity. The hope for the ministries building is to is twofold, and I think during the day and on weekends, be used by the youth, uh, whether it's, you know, to some extent the school and also, uh, obviously on weekends, our youth activities, Young Saints, Edge, Life Team. And then during the week, uh, in the evenings, it would be used for adult formation. Mm. And so uh, it, it will not have a lack of of use. Sure. It, uh, we're, we could use it right now. And I remember one, I don't know, one one evening, I got a phone call from my dad who was driving down Collie Saloon. We're from Opelousas. He goes to Queen of Angels. And uh, he said, what's going on at St. Pius tonight? There are vehicles everywhere. And I said, what's not going on at St. Pius? There are always vehicles everywhere. Because, yeah. I mean, on any given night, we probably, I mean, between the school and us, there could be three or four or five events going on. Absolutely. That was the other you know. night. Um, I'm here most evenings. And, you know, before I left... Uh, besides, you know, the work I was doing, I had an appointment and then um, there was uh, a meeting going on in the conference room in the annex and then uh, a meeting going on in the meeting room, the youth room for the Cub Scouts. And then the PLC was was full. And then there was another meeting at the church, I believe, in one of the conference rooms. And so it, it really is a necessary um, 
uh, a necessary building, a necessary resource uh, for us to be able to function well in, in what we do. Especially as our parish grows. Um, Absolutely. That's one thing that I've noticed over the past, you know, months is so many new faces. Like, it just seems like every time I walk into the church, there's a new family or a new face, or it seems like our congregation size is growing. I don't know if that's true or if just people are moving from one mass to another mass. You know, I'm just seeing a lot of, a lot more faces. And I know, I think you mentioned this last weekend, our offertories up. Right. And it, it, there are a lot of new faces and more than a few parishioners have mentioned that, um, that it, it is a change that they don't recognize as many faces, um, as, uh, as they did before. And so attendance is certainly up. Registrations are up and we're trying to help people who are coming into the parish to get to meet people. And so we're starting a, a, a welcoming committee mm-hmm. uh, that will, you know, help them to understand what the parish does, how they can integrate, where the needs are, uh, what they would like to do, whether it's liturgical minister, whether it's, you know, the food pantry, serving the poor, mission club, uh, Knights of Columbus service groups uh, and women's guild, um, maybe making an axe retreat to mm-hmm. kind of uh, start things off. You get to meet people there and, and usually those uh, friendships or those relationships continue after the retreat with some of the retreatants. And it's a wonderful thing to see. And and with the parking lot, I think, and uh, that construction making it easier to get in and out of church, uh, we are able to, I think attract more people uh, to come and to join the community. I always think of our community as uh, two things, as traditional and welcoming. Mm-hmm. And and putting those two things together, I think it's the way uh, that we need to worship. And we hope that everybody brings those gifts and talents. And when they uh, register as parishioners, when they come into the community, not even registering, um, well, although we've made that very easy, uh, it takes you literally five minutes. Uh, but to streamline that and then to help them to integrate and to be welcomed into the community along with, as Catholics, generally speaking, we would be considered to be uh, traditional in our worship, yes. uh, the sacramental worship, the ritual worship of the Mass and, and the Eucharist and bring, receiving the grace of God and then bringing that grace out to the world. And we have a liturgical expert. I mean, your words last weekend in your homily. Right. That way, <laughs> I, I do a, a few tongue-in-cheek things here and there. And, and I, that the funny part about that is that's the humor of incongruity. That is that uh, I am not a liturgical expert in any way, shape, or form, as sure. people know. And so to indicate that, that was, like I said, one of those. Uh, the, the the humor type would be called incongruity. Yeah, uh, I like it. Um, so a, a few other things that you mentioned um, – uh, we ha- we have a couple of big changes um, just recently. We just had two new staff hires in, in, in our youth, I guess we could call it department. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you want to talk about that? Sure, sure. Uh, and... and- that would um, that would be Mary Hindelang. She's our director of religious education. So uh, she's kind of the glue uh, behind uh, all of our youth activities. Although her direct administration beginning would be with uh, young saints, um, and that has gone very well. A lot of uh, I think it's as large as it's ever been. What is in this first, coming year? If somebody's listening and doesn't know what young saints is, what is young, young saints? Young saints is our uh, elementary uh, catechism program. Elementary meaning up until. Uh, fifth grade 
So kindergarten to fifth or Kindergar- first? Uh, first grade to, to first to fifth to fifth, okay. and and that's our uh, Sunday school is what it is. Sure. And so we call it Young Saints, and they come and they, we have a curriculum where we teach our kids, uh, and that would be the uh, the Sunday school program for them. Uh, at sixth grade, you be in edge, and so sixth, seventh, and eighth graders are in the edge program. They get to live on the edge. Live on the edge, and so <laughs> uh, we do. We have their activities on Sunday nights, as well as uh, Life Teen, which is the high school catechesis program. So all of them are Sunday school, uh, but all of them have a social element to it as well uh, for the for the kids. Particularly, you think the high school and the and the middle school, they they begin to see social as a very important element. So we try to combine the two catechesis and and uh, and fellowship and so uh, Mary is kind of the glue for the curriculum and and coordination and support of of, uh, of Reed Striva and Reed would, is going to be is what we call our youth minister mm-hmm. and so he uh, would focus more uh, on edge and life team that's where his work would more focus from a ministerial point of view uh, elementary children are still obviously um, the primary ministers of their are their parents getting sure. there and back we have teachers uh, whereas in in life teen edge I think you look at it more as ministry uh, in trying to help our kids in what is sometimes a crazy world a more uh, intentional partnership with the parents in, in exactly and then the real the the, the real uh, truth, the, the truth that the world doesn't teach and distorts, uh, to be able to bring that to them in in a way that they understand, because uh, you know they have all these ideas, whether it's at school or um, when I say school, generally public schools, the Catholic schools, you know, have the proper anthropologies and such, uh, but to understand that not everything they read on the internet is uh, is true yeah. and, or good. Yeah. And so trying to have the credibility of saying, no, that person in a chat room or this website on this uh, is wrong. You know, we, we have the, the voice to try to keep them uh, within the teachings of Christ in his church. To begin, if they haven't already, that discernment process of like sifting through what is real and what's not. Right. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about those two hires, Mary. I mean, of course, youth ministry is near and dear to my heart. Um, but uh, I, I think Mary um, is just knocking it out of the park from the conversations that we have. And Reed and I have been meeting once a week um, and, and he's asking all the right questions. And I think he's, I'm excited about what's to come in, in terms of youth ministry. So if you're a parent listening to this right now and you have a kid in any of those grades um, that's not involved, um, I would really encourage you to plug them in and maybe yourself get involved as well. And that's a place where we are trying to integrate the parish and the school is having a, uh, Mary work uh, very directly and collaborate with Kristen Lazarine, who's the school minister. And so we've already combined the sacramental programs um, that we have in elementary uh, and to coordinate the youth activities so that uh, it's not just a SPES activity, it's a St. Pius activity and vice versa, that that to the extent we can, we want all of our young people to participate in parish life um, as uh, as it would as it would as we would have it and and so uh, we're hoping to a lot of the things that we do uh, on the church side are not just for the kids that don't go to spez and everything that happens at spez or you know whether it's a picnic that they sponsor or something it's for the whole parish yeah and so uh, Kelly 
DeSormo, Mrs. DeSormo, uh, has been a wonderful Speaking addition. Speaking of new hires. And she has absolutely um, been on top of how do we integrate these things. Knights of Columbus are doing things. And um, as we move forward, the... The ability to have these coordinated efforts to have us as one community, because we're so big, it's easy to get divided up into bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. So what you want to do is have people be able to work in their particular specialties, but remember that we're all one group, we're all one parish, we're all one community, united in Christ, and then united, of course, with the greater church. I'll I'll say this to parents, um, having, you know, been a youth minister for almost two decades, and now myself a parent, um, I know that you know our our children's schedules become very demanding, and we spend a lot of time in the community of the school, um, whatever school that is, whether it's St. Pius Elementary or St. Thomas More or whatever school it is. Um, I, I love the the intentionality that we put as a parish to really making um, um, being on purpose about we're, we're a parish first. Right. And, and I say that because your kids are going to graduate from from high school one day, wherever they go. And it's going to be the parish that becomes the stability through their life. Um, and I think as a parent, it's important that we teach our children how to function in the parish um, because that's going to be the commonality, you know, moving forward in their life. It's going to be where they come home to. And that's what St. Thomas More is also, if you mentioned yep. them, I think Turlings is as well, trying to make sure that uh, that in their campus ministry programs, they maintain that connection to the parish. And we've had talks about that in the confirmation program um, and other ways that we, uh, we unite. And I understand that well, parents have their children in a particular place. That's going to be their emphasis for that uh, phase of their life. Uh, but you're right. Uh, when they leave, it's they're not going to have a school to go to uh, or necessarily a particular campus ministry. Although, we, I mean, when I say there are churches on campus, but they are church parishes. And those. it's important to recognize that eventually uh, our children will need to be able, as you said, to function well in a parish and learn how to grow in their faith and their knowledge and love of Christ. So exciting things going on in youth ministry, both at the school and at yes, the parish. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so uh, the other thing, I think the last thing that you mentioned and uh, in, in your homily was just working through the audio challenges in the church. Do we want to talk about that at all? We can. We uh, we are having the the sound system again again reevaluated. It's, it's very much better than it was four years ago, uh, but it's still a little bit hard to work with. And and so we're going to have it evaluated and try to see where improvements can be made from a um, a scientific and engineering point of view. Sure. And see if we're if there's anything that we're not doing that we could be doing to make it better. And so I think it's, you know, for now, most people get it. When I when I say a joke and people laugh, that means they heard it. Sure. You know, so I know a majority of people are. And it's regardless, it's a challenge. And it, uh, Catholic churches are different than other churches or sanctuaries because um, we, we, we want some reverb and the music to redound. But if you do that, it's at the cost sometimes of, of the spoken word. Mm-hmm. And so... 
it, uh, it, it, you know, we have the beauty of the architecture and those kind of things uh, that we have to work with. So usually Catholic churches are a little bit more complicated uh, than um, than other churches, and and so we we're working on it. And, and I, I do think that there will be some improvements that we're able to make, some more sound treatments, uh, different uh, uh, mics and and uh, and speaker adjustments that will be helpful uh, if we using uh, the engineering principles that we hope are going to come into play. So we'll see how that plays out in the next couple of months because they actually came in and got all the information and did a walkthrough. So we're expecting them to come back with recommendations fairly shortly. So my concern has always been, uh, you know, our collections are up. We mentioned that earlier. You mentioned that this weekend. And, you know, there there are people that can't hear. I'm concerned that when they can hear, do they go down or do they increase? I don't know. I don't know. I'll try to learn how to preach a little more short and and uh, uh, and, and get it done. But yeah, it, it should be good. And really, you know, summing it all up, yeah. That you know the the biggest thing for me as a pastor is seeing. Uh, that the growth in faith, the growth in hope, the growth in charity, the supernatural virtues that are a product of, uh, of God's grace. And so, you know, when we, we are saved by grace mm-hmm. and and people are putting themselves in a position to do that. And whether it's the daily mass that the attendance has just exploded, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's confessions where Father Poirier and I um, need help to do a, a penance service and uh, we, you know, from outside priests and we also... Uh, are so busy uh, at daily masses, got most of the time having to go back after mass to hear the remainder. It's great. Uh, the the service within the community, love for each other. You can see a genuine affection and care um, for each other. And then that is extended out to the community, to the poor, to those who are in need, the vulnerable. I was thinking this morning, today is St. Vincent de Paul. Uh, in his feast day, and obviously he had a great love for the poor, dedicated his life to them. And, you know, one of the things that I I think that is so important is I was looking through the uh, the, the corporal works of mercy, you know, the, in, you know, in the end of Matthew's gospel. And uh, then burying the dead is from Tobit. So that's the seventh or six in Matthew's gospel. So we have the seven corporal works of mercy. We do all seven. Yeah. Off the top of my head, I know you have to think about it. And we do all seven as a community in different groups or in different ways. And, and you know, we hope to do more, and we can. And we have some expansions coming, as I mentioned at Mass, particularly to those who are in, in need of uh, more emotional support to have groups set up for that. Uh, but... You know, for now, uh, you see all these things going on in, in the work of Christ. And for me as a pastor, that's the biggest thing. If we can do all, all of these things that be happening, but if we're not growing closer to Christ and imitating him in our lives, then it's all for naught. Yeah. We're, it, we're missing the mission that we exist for. In the end. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, I can see that as a pastor, I have the global view of the church. And I also have speak to so many individuals that are talking about conversion, changing their lives, uh, living a life that, uh, that Christ, uh, well, we be more in line with the dignity that Christ has given us by the gift of his grace and uh, and trying to get better every day. And when you see that, that's where you think that the parish is so effective because you do that, everything else takes care of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, on on behalf of the parish, as a staff member and as a parishioner, you've accomplished a lot in four years. Um, just in you know coming in and immediately tackling the acoustics of the church. I know we're still working through some things. Thank you for continuing to work through those things. Um, the parking lot is just 
fantastic. Um, and, and I'm excited about what's happening in Leon Packer and then all the things that you just mentioned, which are so important, just the continued growth and maturity of the faith of the people of St. Pius. So, well, thank you. And there's a lot of moving parts. I'm a little cog in a big machine. Sure. But, uh, my biggest job is I like to mention is, is, uh, is to stay, get, get out of the way. Yeah. Well, you put the right people, the, you put the right people who have the talents and the gifts to do the things yeah. and that takes a true leader. So, well, thanks. Um, thanks. And I think we would be remiss if we didn't thank the people of St. Pius because none of this is possible without their involvement and their financial support. So, Absolutely. And that, um, that was the end of my homily, yep. actually. was uh, It's a joy to, to be pastor here. It's a joy to work with them. And, and they certainly have uh, stepped up uh, to to provide uh, the resources that we need to develop the resources uh, that we need, so to speak. So the financial uh, element is always important. And, uh, uh, and and I hope that they see that their, their offering uh, is being used in a way um, that is fruitful. And uh, I think I think they do see that. Yeah. Well, I yes, I, I would agree with that because they continue to get involved and they continue to give. Right. So, um, well, one day we'll actually have you and Father Poirier on. He wasn't able to join us this morning. He had a pretty full morning. Um, but uh, thanks for hopping on with us today. Sure. Uh, we hope that y'all enjoyed this podcast. Um, thank you for being part of St. Pius. Uh, we look forward to seeing y'all at Mass this weekend. God bless. 